Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward. Mikey is on the ones and twos. This is another edition of the show tonight. A quarterback one edition, QB one edition, Baker Mayfield 2021. We have a very special guest, Jim Ballard, ex-NFL quarterback, uh, won a national championship in Mount Union, is in the College Football Hall of Fame uh, and uh, runs the Ballard uh, Quarterback Academy, um, and he is a terrific guest to talk about quarterback breakdowns and a Browns fan as well, uh, local local guy here, uh, and was a legend back in the day. If you remember Jim Ballard at Mount Union, was actually in the Heisman Trophy race from a Division three college back uh, when he attended uh, the school. So, he uh, is uh, fantastic, and he's going to join us for a tremendous interview on Baker and the state of the Browns, mostly Baker Mayfield, assessing uh, him going forward. couple things to take care of business-wise here from the top. Uh, you know, we're putting out these videos. I want to do a mini-camp video. Uh, it was hard, you know, to get a lot of mini-camp content, really good content, uh, you know, comments coming out of Berea. A lot to talk about as far as what guys are saying at the podium, uh, things like that. Uh, As far as on the field action, you know, we've gotten some pictures, some video. We will have a show on Saturday with Cameron Justice, uh, who was there for all three days of uh, minicamp. She's been absolutely killing it, knocking it out of the park as far as coverage goes from Berea. She's going to join us on Saturday, and we're going to do a mini camp recap show, uh, and we look forward to that. So we're going to have her on, and we will do a show on the mini camp. Uh, just so you know, you have that to look forward to. Uh, if you're tuned into All Eyes on Cleveland channel and you're not a subscriber yet, please hit the subscribe button. You're going to want to come back. We put out great t- content all the time. We get the best guests that we can uh, from all over the country to talk about our Cleveland Browns and all the pressing issues that face this team as we get ready for an epic, epic season in 2021. Also, you know, it's free of charge to watch these shows. Uh, the only thing I ask you is if you have a moment and you're watching this live or on replay, just hit the like button for us. It helps us out so much here. Uh, helps Mikey out. He puts a big smile on Mikey's face. He loves it. And uh, we would appreciate that if you could do that as well. Uh, but let's uh, get to the interview tonight. When we come back, I'm going to go over two takeaways from minicamp from what we could, uh, you know, read about hear about what we heard in interviews. I have two takeaways, biggest takeaways from minicamp. And remember that show on Saturday with Cameron Justice is going to be a, a really good one. So you're going to want to, you're going to want to watch that one on Saturday, but let's get to tonight's interview with uh, Jim Ballard, uh, ex NFL quarterback, uh, college football hall of famer uh, from Mount Union and uh, uh, the director of the Ballard quarterback academy plus many more his accolades are long and uh and illustrious uh but we will get to his interview now mikey's gonna get that queued up uh and uh while you're waiting for this to come up you can uh just tap smash that like button real quick and get the interview going for you right now and we are absolutely thrilled to have a very special guest uh on all eyes on cleveland here this evening uh, he is the one and only Jim Ballard. Uh, Jim uh, led Mount Union College to their first national title in 1993, shattering every school passing record in the process. He played in the NFL, the Arena League, uh, Canadian Football League, NFL Europe uh, during his 10-year pro career. Uh, he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2008 uh, and currently runs the Ballard Quarterback Academy, uh, and uh, welcome to the show, Jim. How are we doing? Good, Brad. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show once again. Yeah, absolutely, man. It should be fun. Uh, we're going to talk some Baker Mayfield. Uh, obviously, I go, I'm go. i going right to the source, the man that knows quarterbacks better than anybody I know, so we're going we're gonna to go right to you on that stuff. But uh, uh, I want to ask you before we dive into all that, uh, you mentioned to me off air, so you you might be uh, diving into this podcast uh, 
uh, scene as well. Uh, it sounds like you've got something in the works with the NFL Alumni Academy. You want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, my partner and I from uh, Q92, TJ Downing, former All-American offensive guard at the Ohio State University national champion in his own right. Uh, TJ and I have been working together on Q92. We decided that we'd love to do a podcast. We're going to call it the 1372 podcast, QB and the OG. Uh, it's going to be live from the Hall of Fame. We, As you said, Brad, we have the endorsement of the NFL Alumni Academy. Uh, Beasley Reese, Bart Oates, uh, Michael Crawford from the Hall of Fame uh, Village, Johnson Control side has also blessed it. We just got a couple more, a uh, couple more hurdles to go, and uh, hopefully within the next month we will uh, we will start the podcast. Uh, really excited uh, about the content, what we can offer, the guests that we can we can have, and uh, it's going to be live from the Hall of Fame. What a, you know, no better venue to to bring a podcast than from there, right? Yeah, no doubt. That's sick. Uh, uh, QB and the OG live from the Hall of Fame. That'd be awesome, man. So congrats on that and that endeavor. Uh, that sounds awesome. So definitely be turning into that. You also told me off the air just a couple days ago you got a new puppy. How's that going? Dealing with that okay? Re- Said it's worse yeah, than having children. Reg- yeah, Reginald James Ballard the first, a.k.a. Reg, a.k.a. Reggie, a.k.a. <laughs> Reggie Berger. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's a little black he's pug. He's about this big. Yeah, he's he's actually been pretty good. Potty training has been pretty good. He's almost as big as my foot now, so that's interesting. Um, but yeah, he's uh, eleven weeks today, as a matter of fact. So first puppy at forty nine years old, and you're absolutely right, Brad. It is uh, it's a lot harder than kids. You know, I got to take him out every twenty minutes. You know, you kid, uh, I sit the time, there for yeah. thirty five minutes in a poopy diaper before they cry or make yep. a sound. So absolutely right. Challenges. Yep. It's a lot of fun though. Very much. Yes, it is. They are fun. Uh, all right, uh, so we're going to dive into uh, tonight's episode is uh, Browns QB1, the Baker Mayfield edition. Uh, so it, there's been this national narrative out there, Jim, about Baker that uh, his play or his good play at the end of the 2020 season should be credited more to... There's a lot of people pumping this narrative that it should be credited more to the offense that catered to him and the run game that catered to him. Now, I don't think a lot of these national pundits necessarily probably watched every Browns game or watched the games and scoured over the film like I have or potentially like that you've watched every game, I'm sure, right? So, I mean, I saw... A different things from Baker. I saw them go to more of him in the pocket throwing and letting him do more of that towards the end of the season than they did at the beginning. I guess my question to you is, have you seen enough from him to want to go ahead and sign him to an extension? Yes. Uh, a hard yes. Um, you know, the, all the expectation on him coming out as the first pick of the draft, um, where he was, you know, the, the, the sophomore slump that he went through, the fact he did not have an off season last year with, with his receivers, the fact he did not have an off season with a brand new head coach and offensive coordinator, my former teammate, Alex Van Pelt, former Buffalo Bills quarterback. Um, and for him to bounce back, you know, and, and during COVID and, and have, you know, weeks where he didn't even practice or, you know, the team didn't practice, you know, players getting shuffled in and out, you know, that, that that's a tall order, right? It j- just playing quarterback alone before anything else in the NFL, I mean, comes with, with a lot, you know, you got to be the guy that's, that knows what everybody's doing. You got to be the guy that checks, um, understand defense, get the ball out of your hand, manage the game, not turn it over. And for him to do what he did last year, um, after everybody being on him for a, a bad sophomore, you know, sophomore season, you know, he bounced back. We go what eleven and five. We go to yeah. the playoffs, and not only do we go to the playoffs, but we beat Pittsburgh the last week of the season, and then we got to come back and play them. So you know how hard it is to beat a team back to back weeks, let alone it beat Pittsburgh, let alone yeah. it be the Browns in the playoffs for the first time, you know, since what oh two oh three. Yeah, Whatever something was. like that. Yeah, yeah. And and then then he goes out and he dominates Pittsburgh again. Leave the guy alone. We're, 
everybody's always like, man, I'd like to see the Browns win. Guess what? We just won games. We put together a hell of a season. Everybody's excited. He had a great year. I mean, whether the run game was great, whether the defense was, you know, really good at times, you you, you got to have that if you're a quarterback. I mean, you just can't go out there, you know, week after week and, and have to throw for 400, you know, four or 500 yards and win games. You got to have a good run game. You know, Stefanski's done a great job utilizing the tight ends, you know, with Harrison Bryant and the Joku and, and those guys and uh, Hoop. Uh, Hoop. Um, yeah. You know the play action game becomes more relevant. You're, you know, and when when you got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, I mean, two of the top five backs in the NFL on the same team, you know, Kareem did an outstanding job of of being a lead back at times for Chubb last year. He's great out of the backfield catching the ball, so it really stretches the defense sideline to sideline. And also, you know, when you are able to run the ball, Brad, you know, they got to walk down that strong safety into the box. So now you, you got one high safety and you're either going to see cover three or cover one. So now you're manned up on the outside. You got Jarvis Landry. I mean, we've got some dudes, man. And we did a lot of this without, uh, without, uh, uh, OBJ. uh OBJ because he was, hurt. yeah. And guys, you know, guys stepped up and made plays and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And I, I've always been a Baker Mayfield fan. I mean, how can you yeah. not like a guy that, that not only walks on once, but he walked on twice at different schools, and he starts at both schools. And he wins the Heisman, but he's undersized, and so they want to bag on him. The guy plants the flag in Ohio Stadium. People got pissed off. You know what? Don't lose at home. I think he was a little <laughs> upset from the year before. You know, he planted the yeah. flag. But it's that kind of swag, man. You walk around mm-hmm. Cleveland, you ask anybody, hey, man, who would you want in a, bo- in a, in a foxhole with you? Oh, dude, man, the, our quarterback who, who shot them to beer at the Indians game. Give me that guy all day long in the foxhole because you know Baker's coming up. And that's the kind of leader he is. He's infectious. Guys like him. Guys rally around him. You know, you want to you want to fight for a guy like that. And, you know, Baker embodies all of that. He's done a great job, you know, being the face of the franchise and um, continues to do the great things in the community. And I'm I'm obviously very talkative and very excited about this fall, man. I, I love watching Baker play. And, you know, the, the second half of the season that he had, yeah, did we run the ball well? Yeah, we did. But guess what? He didn't turn it over. I think he right. had what, maybe one or two interceptions in the last nine games. I mean, he really got it done. And, you know, when you win a turnover battle in the NFL, you went over 90% of your games, and Baker was able to do that. And the, and the uh, Browns played really well. And, uh, and if it wasn't for that uh, helmet-to-helmet that did not get called on the goal line against Kansas City, that's a different game. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a 10 or 13-point swing, and the Browns are right there. Totally. Absolutely. Uh, uh, that game is a weird, weird game. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that we play Kansas City in week one. I think that uh, presents, a, you know, a, a scenario where it's kind of a, a, a no lose situation. Like if you go out and lose to Kansas City, nobody's going to be like floored, right? Like, OK, it's Kansas City, but you have the opportunity to go out and beat them in week one. And that would just send people into a craze. You know what I mean? Uh, I agree. So. Uh, all right, so you've seen enough for him for the extension. The other thing that people say a lot is like, oh, I, I just question whether he can put the team on his back. Should he have to go win the game with his right arm? And, and you know, there was a point in the season last year where they, everything they did was so play-action heavy, right? But then they got towards later in the season – and they did let him drop in the pocket and go win games with his right arm sometimes because the teams were loading up boxes and they were forcing him to do that. I remember they came out in that Tennessee game all week long. You heard about the run game, the run game, the run game. And, and Stefanski came out just throwing the ball all over the field, right? So, like, I I just think that uh, I've seen enough of him that I think he can go out and win a game with his right arm. Once again, the national pundits will question that. But I don't think they've seen enough Cleveland Browns football to say that. Do you think he can go out and win a game with his right arm? No question about it. And and, and or his feet. I mean, is is Baker a, a, a Murray type of athlete or a Russell Wilson type of athlete? No. But can the guy, you know, roll out for 20, 25, 30 yards if he takes off up the field? Absolutely. You have to have somebody account for him when he steps up in the pocket. Because if you do drop everybody out trying to get in, in those passing windows for all the talented receivers and tight ends that we have, then you're going to leave, you know, Baker on an island to be able to run. And he did a good job of that last year. And he does a great job in the pocket of always keeping his eyes down the field and 
when he does break contain or he does slide out of the pocket, tremendous job of keeping those eyes down the field and dissecting the defense and making him, you know, come up at the very last second and bang, he might rip a shot off across his body. He can make off-platform throws. He can um, extend plays. He can throw the ball well on the run. Um, and you have to you have to account for him, as, as I keep saying, as an athlete. And there's, to me, there's there's no question that if, if the game needs to be taken over by, by, by Baker, that he can do that. And I really think you'll see him take um, – take even more strides this year, second year in, in the offense with Coach Stefanski, actually having an offseason to where, you know, you can spend time face-to-face with guys and, and go, go through the nuances of the concepts and why we're putting this corner with the snag, with this under route, you know, we're, who we read and bake. Here's, here's what we're thinking why we're doing this. And, you know, there's a lot of that. And, and it's so hard when you – don't have that off season where, you know, you have all those reps where you take three steps, stick your foot in the ground and throw to a spot and know he's going to be there. Cause you just don't have that timing yet. You know, uh, Brady so spends huge. kinds of time years and years and years with his, with those receivers out in California. And then it's the same thing, you know, timing, 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 just getting used to guys, everybody, you know, everybody might run a, run a curl route 12 to 10, but this guy kind of stems it this way. This guy kind of, you know, runs it this way. He, 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 he rounds it a little bit more. It's just all the little, subtleties in the way the guys run the routes and getting used to them and spending time with them. So I think Baker's going to have a tremendous year this year. Um, I really like what the Browns did in the draft. I think they picked up some really good defensive players. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you got Clowney and Miles Garrett. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Off the edge or, or, or even put them on the same side. I yeah. mean, they're they're, they're going to be an absolute nightmare. And the other thing is, too, Clowney's been a little hurt these last couple of years, so he signs a one-year deal, right? It's time mm-hmm. for him to get paid. So what do you need to get – what do you got to do to get paid? You have a big year, and that's what he's yeah. playing for. Yeah, I mean, he uh, – I've been shocked, you know, so coming out of minicamp here the past few days, right, like a lot of the quotes we've seen. But, like, Clowney's, like, like gleeful. Like, he's so happy, like, you know. And, like, he's talking about, oh, it took me this long to find a guy, like, the same size as me. And he's I think he's happy because he realized he's not going to get double teamed all the time. He's, like, been the most double teamed guy in the NFL for years, right? Now you got Garrett on the other side. He's going to get single, you know, single coverage or single blocking uh, concepts against him. And, and uh, it's just, like, he seems really happy with everybody around him and stuff in, in all his interviews. And I'm like, man, that's such a culture change for the Browns, you know? Uh, to it have is. I mean, come people are ex- so happy. Yeah, I mean, players off the streets that it's not like, oh man, I'm going to Cleveland or players die. It's like, man, I'm going to the Browns, and and there's a lot yeah. of you know excitement about that. And and I mean, we've got big time players. I mean, we've got two of the top five running backs in the NFL. Period. End of story. You got one of the best defensive ends in the in the in the, in the league. You know, we got another. You know, a, a great. Uh, set of receivers. You got Jarvis Landry and OBJ coming back, and then you know you got uh, Hoop, you know, as, as another tight end, um, you know, and on and on. And you know, Clowney's coming in excited because, yeah, obviously he's got a guy on the other side that, that demands double teams. But how much? How much do you think they're just sponging together? Oh, well, I know. They give you right. this. What are you? What are you going to do? Well, man, I, I like to go with the rip and bring the arm over and you know that they're just having long, deep conversations and they're, they're both getting better for it. How did, how do you do this? So it's absolutely, yeah, there's no question. He's, 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 he's excited to be here and our defense is good. Yeah. Yeah. Totally remade defense. You know, a lot of talented guys over there. That's going to be a blast. You're watching all eyes on Cleveland special guest, Jim Ballard, uh, ex NFL quarterback, uh, college football hall of famer, and uh, the uh, runs the Ballard Quarterback Academy uh, with uh, a podcast on the horizon, QB and the OG, uh, that they're going to do live from the Hall of Fame, uh, Football Hall of Fame in Canton, which is awesome. Uh, all right, uh, Jim, you you mentioned already that you were teammates with Alex Van Pelt, so I'm going to go there. Uh, Baker uh, spent last off season fixing his footwork right so they reference his footwork a lot alex van pelt had him change his his foot that he had forward i guess he, he might have had his right foot forward he changed it to his left and it was something that he had to get used to and he did a lot last year and then you saw you know the difference in his 
you know, from really overthrowing the ball a ton in 2019 to being much more accurate and really, you know, compared to some other teams and especially like that Kansas City game, it became very evident. He had to throw into a lot of tight windows uh, last year compared to some other teams that had guys running wide open, you know what I mean? Especially in that Kansas City game. And he was able to do so. What did you see mechanically that was different from him? And, you know, with Alex Van Pelt working with him and his footwork, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's harder to operate from the quarterback standpoint with a left foot forward, um, you know, right foot back. But a lot of guys do it. Um, you know, Baker likes to take that, that false step with his left foot back and then he pivots on his left toe and then stretches his first drop, uh, first step out. Um, I really liked him in the pocket. He seemed like he did a great job of, of maintaining his base quite a bit, which keeps him on balance. Um, there were times the year before where his feet would get so wide and him being only six foot that he would get a little heady with his throw and the left shoulder would come down, the back leg would come off the ground. And that's when he got uh, a little bit erratic with some of his throws. He was a little bit inaccurate. Um, as soon as you pick that back foot up off the ground, Brad, you you, you lose uh, power in your core uh, and in your hips as you're trying to come through the throw. Um, but he cleaned that up last year. Uh, I think he just has to realize that, you know, you, you only have to throw the ball hard when you have to throw the ball hard. Yeah, Like you referenced the city and having a lot of small windows. Yeah, if, if you got to rip it in between two linebackers, you rip it. Other than that, you drop back, stick your foot in the ground, and throw it 80%. You know, 80% for Baker is, is plenty of velocity to get the ball from A to B. Um, and he did a good job with that. You know, his, his completion percentage went, went up. Uh, his touchdowns to interception ratio was outstanding, especially in the second half of that uh, second half of the season last year. Um, I can't say enough about Alex Van Pelt. I, I think one of the biggest compliments that, that I've heard about Alex was, and it wasn't anything that was said, it was just an action. When he got uh, fired from Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers was irate, yeah, pissed off. That to me says everything you you need to know about Alex Van Pelt. Obviously, I've, I've I had a personal relationship with Alex when I played. Uh, I was there in '97. He was actually gracious enough to let me stay at his house. Which, when I look back, there was Todd Collins, uh, who was supposed to be the heir apparent, Billy Joe Hobart, who we traded for uh, from the Raiders, Alex Van Pelt, and myself. So basically. <laughs> I'm battling Alex for the number three spot. Well, obviously he wasn't too worried about me because he let me stay at his house and I ended up getting cut and ended up getting picked <laughs> up later in the season. But um, Alex was gracious to let me stay, learned a lot from him. Um, he, Alex is one of those guys that you, you just, you just like him. I mean, he's just a dude. He's a, he's a dude. He's a guy's guy. You know, yeah. he hunts, he, you know, he, you know, he, he, he was, he was a guy that, that looked, Kind of bad body at times when he played in the NFL as a quarterback, but the guy had a hell of a career. He threw for over ten thousand yards at, at Pitt. Um, love Alex. Uh, love to reconnect with him, and uh, so good to see him doing such a great job. And um, you know, for her, for him to to be able to coach Baker and to be around Baker and be able to tell him about you know how it was to coach Rogers and what Rogers did in, in, in certain situations and how he you know how he was as a pro, the time he put in, all the extra stuff, you know they can have those conversations and, you know, cause Alex, you know, here's a guy, uh, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best to ever play. He's the first ballot hall of famer. And, and now, uh, Baker can talk to, to, to Alex about those experiences and, and, and help his game get that much better. Yeah, no question. That's awesome. Cool. Cool story there, Jim. That's fantastic stuff. Um, so I'm going to bring up a graphic here. You mentioned the statistics a little bit, and I kind of want to get into this question with you and get your thoughts on it. Cause I kind of have some thoughts on, on it, and it's the and it's the OBJ question, right? Like, so it's he has kind of stark contrast in his statistics from when OBJ was in, right, and then after week seven when OBJ was out, um, and the Brown. If you listen to the Browns, the Browns will tell you that that it doesn't have anything to do with OBJ; that it has to do with. Baker getting used to the offense, right? So, let me make sure I got this. Turn that down there. All right, so you can see that, right? Yes, I can. Very impressive, okay. as I said. You know, 
second half of the season, there, there wasn't too many guys in the NFL that were better than what Baker did. Yeah, no, no question. And he was top of it. But, like, for me, the question is, though, the OBJ effect. Like, because I thought it was real, Jim. Like, I think he really pressed to get him the ball. I think that it affected the way he played the game. Like, I don't think it was just, I'm sure that like getting used to the offense had something to do with it. But for me, it was, it was more than that. I, I felt like he pressed and, and felt like, like me at home, I would feel the pressure. Like OBJ doesn't get a touch for two series. I'm sitting at home thinking like, man, imagine how Baker feels. I'm getting antsy, you know what I mean? Cause he's not getting any touches in the offense. So how do you think he feels as the quarterback? And I think it had a real effect on him. And when he got hurt, it was like it freed him up, right? Like the burden was off his shoulders. Is that real or not? Or am I just imagining that? You know what? I know. I think it's a good point, Brad. Um, I think there was some of that. It's like, all right, if we don't get Baker, you know, OBJ the ball, is he, is, you know, gonna, is he gonna whap out? Is he gonna go in the tank? going to be a distraction on the sideline. I'm not getting the ball, this and that. I think there was some of that. And, um, you know, I think that when he did get hurt, there, there was relief. Like, like, okay, you know, we don't have to, you know, try to do this or try to do this to get him at the game. We'll just let the game come to us. And, and, I'm, hoping, and I'm hoping that, you know, after the season that the Browns had and OBJ, you know, stepping back after the injury and, and seeing the development of all these other players and, you know, maybe OBJ won't be the the hundred catch guy, you know, like he was, because the offense might not just dictate that. He might be a, a fifty to sixty guy or fifty to seventy guy um, with two other receivers at about the same way. Um, so I'm curious to see that dynamic in in this year's offense as well. Um, I, I think there were times that they did try to to get him the ball, and it was just kind of like forced. It just didn't it just didn't jive. There was there wasn't the flow to get him in uh, at times. But uh, again, second year in the offense, full offensive season, OBJ coming back, humbled a little bit from the injury, I'm sure. Um, I'm excited to see what he's going to do and, and how he fits into the offense and and what Coach Stefanski does to, to get him involved and to get him touches, but also get him touches in the, in the right situations in the game and, and not try to uh, force it just to get him the ball. Yeah, it's like Kenny – you want OBJ to come back in, in all, all accounts are he looks fantastic. I was shocked actually that he wasn't even limited in this mini camp and everybody says how great he's looked. So he's rehabbed really hard and we knew he would do that. He's a hard ass worker. Right. And we know that about him, but like, you know, will, can he come in and just play his role in this offense that has a lot of mouths to feed and can Baker is Baker's second half last year taught him enough and matured, him as a quarterback enough to just throw the guy the open the ball the guy that's open the football regardless of it's if it's OBJ or somebody else. I, I think so. I mean, you know, this will be Baker's what fourth year as a starter. Yeah. Um, second year in the offense with Coach Stefanski. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think that the game's going to continue. Continue, continue to slow down for Baker. I mean, remember this too, where, where everybody wants to, you know, get all over him and, and dismiss him. If you were to create a situation that would be one of the toughest situations for a quarterback to be in, it would be this one. Yeah. After, after winning the Heisman and being the number one pick, you're going to have one coach this year and an offensive commander for one year. Oh, sorry about that. We made a mistake. We're going to go ahead and just fire those guys. So now in the second year, we're going to go ahead and get you a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, that didn't work out either. So we're just going to go ahead and get rid of those guys. So now you bring in another head coach, another offensive coordinator, another system, throw in COVID, throw in no timing, and to learn the nuances of a new offense for the third year in a row. And then it's the Browns. And then all the expectation from, you know, going six and 10 the year before, you know, we're going to win, blah, blah, blah. And then all he does is goes, goes out and, and takes us 11 and five yeah. in, his, in his third year in a brand new offense. So yeah, 
he's the guy. Benefit man. of the doubt. Dude, what, right? else, what, else, yeah. what else do you what else do you want from him? Does he yeah. miss some throws that drive you crazy? Like sometimes there's a back in the flat wide open and he misses. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. But at the end of the day, he'll come back and he'll rip a 30 yard, you know, shot in between the, the strong safety, the free safety, and, and a linebacker. You know, I I just I, I, I like just want to see him play that. Yeah. I know I love him too, and I defend him too all the time. It's just Jim. I just want to see him play that free football that we saw him play from the second half on, regardless of if OBJ's out there or not. And I know they want us to think that that was just progression, and may have some of it have been, but I think he did press a little bit with him on the field, and I just think he hope he outgrows that. You know what I mean? I do, and I think he will. I, th- I think this year will be. Uh, another year of maturation and, and the process for Baker Mayfield and, and being in the same offense for second year in a row is is, is definitely huge, right? a building block. Yeah, and to have an all actual off season. And you were talking about the actual off season and the ability to like be in person and just him the other day, hearing him and Stefanski talk about how all through the off season program they've been able to sit down and just watch film together and point stuff out and the little nuances and wrinkles that they, I mean, they never got the chance to ever do that. Right. So, I mean, how, how huge is that going to be for them? You know? Yeah, it, it, it is huge just to, you know, and, and it's an opportunity to, you know, learn more about your quarterback, you know, by just to, just a relationship to understand how a guy ticks, you know, and understand, you know, what he likes in the offense, you know, why do you like this? Well, coach, I like it because, this, this, and this. I don't like that play coast because I can't. I can't seem to get the timing or whatever it is. They can. They can talk through those. Those. Uh, those things, and you know, maybe maybe it's a new wrinkle on the board and off the same play, and you know, just getting to know your quarterback. You know, he really didn't get to do that a lot last year. No question. No question. You're watching all eyes on Cleveland with special guest Jim Ballard. Uh, Jim is a uh, college football Hall of Famer. Broke every record in the books at Mount Union College as they went on to win the national championship in 1993. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2008. Uh, played in the NFL Arena League, uh, CFL. Won an NFL Europe Championship, World Championship, correct? 25 years ago last Friday. Greatest victory Scotland seen since William Wallace. So the, Scottish, the Scottish Claymore, Claymore's uh, World, Bowl, World Bowl 2001, right? 1996. Oh, I'm sorry. 1996. Oh, maybe uh, they inducted you into their Hall of Fame as well, right? Correct. I did go in in 2001. That's what. I, that's where the 2001 came from. My bad. It's Mikey's fault. He does. You know. Come on. Come on, Mikey. Don't be messing up my cards here. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So, uh, Jim, uh, a couple more questions here for you. Uh, Stefanski uh, mentioned the other day, uh, you know, now that they're talking about some of this stuff, that one of the ways that he thought they can get better in, in this season is with their pre-snap stuff. Uh, can you kind of explain, like, what he means by that a little bit from a quarterback's perspective, like like what they can do differently pre-snap? And I'm sure that having no fans in the stadium has something to do with this last year, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously guessing a little bit as to what he's talking about pre-snaps, but, but to me, he's, he's talking about Baker's ability to see what the defense is doing, analyzing what they're doing, and maybe um, checking out of it, putting them in a better play. Uh, it could be um, pre-snap stuff as far as, you know, them giving Baker two plays, if the strong safety walks down, then you run this. And if the safety drops back, then you're going to run this. I just think it's 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 everything that's happening before the snap. Um, maybe Baker recognizing some things uh, quicker this year because again it will be a second um, second year in the offense. So I, I think a lot of it's identifying um, maybe a mismatch, understanding the play that okay we're going to try and motion this guy to see if they're going to play man to man and if we get this safety that runs across the field with Jarvis, this is where I'm looking to go. It's probably a lot of those kind of things. Um, you know, just really understanding the offense. You know, this guy's 15 back to 12. This guy's, two, you know, six back to eight, you know, on and on and straight across the board. If they walk down this guy, I'm going to check 42 blasts. And if they do this, you know, I'm going to RPO off the strong safety. It's just 
seeing everything before the ball is snapped. You know, the the game for Baker just continually continually slowing down so that things are more clear. Things are things aren't gray anymore. They're they're more black and white. It's you know, maybe it's it's, it's like standing in the, in a batter's box and you see things so clearly that when the ball comes out of the pitcher's hand, it looks like a beach ball. That's hopefully where Baker's going to get this year, where he really sees, you know, the the subtleties of the way a corner's playing, or if the safety's kind of walking down at the last minute. You know, last year maybe he didn't realize that if he creeps down, he's going to blitz. This year he sees that same look and bang, he rips the post behind it. I think it's those kind of things um, that he's talking about. And uh, again. Just reiterating the fact of being in the in the offense for the second year, he's going to be able to dissect a lot of that stuff and and know where to go with the ball quicker. Uh, you've played in front of big stadiums before, and and crowds obviously, and sound obviously has affected this. Something they were working on mini camp is they were blasting and sound. Obviously, they're going to be playing in front of crowds again from going and playing again against no opponent crowds. Basically, last year, uh, does that affect? I mean, like. I don't think they had to use a silent count at all last year. Is that something that that he'll have to get used to, um, and and uh, that they'll have to re uh, put in this year? No, I, I mean it, Baker's played in plenty of big games. I mean, he played at Oklahoma. You know the crowds that he played. At, you know he played at Ohio State when he beat him in front of one hundred and five thousand, which is more than you're going to see at a at a pro game. But is it going to make a difference having people in the stands? Absolutely, it is. Is it going to be tougher for them to go out to Kansas City week one than it was in the playoff game? Absolutely. Kansas City, traditionally, is one of the toughest places to win in the National Football League. That place gets loud. Their fans are, you know, into it from the beginning to the very end. Um, you know, the sound reverberates and comes back down. It's, way, you know, it's deafening. Uh, so you have to do a great job as the quarterback of communicating and it might be so loud that the guard right next to you might not even hear it might be silent down him it might be hand signals out to the wide receivers trying to direct them tell them what to do because they can't hear him so yeah. that's a that's a big aspect of the game that that's going to come back this year and, and and make the game tougher for quarterback quite frankly you know just you know having that 12th man play you know you got to go to seattle Oof. you know we all know how how loud that crowd is so you have to be ready for it I love the fact that Stefanski's, you know, blowing the music out already and, you know, because Kansas City is loud and you yeah. got to try to create those situations, you know, so Baker deals with it. So when he gets out there, it's like old hat and no big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good stuff, Jim. Uh, two more questions for you. Okay, man. Uh, you've been fantastic. Thank you for your time so much. Uh, you're uh, very gracious uh, for doing the show with me here tonight. All right. So, uh, if you had to think about, I guess you could put yourself into this scenario um, or just think about it for through Baker's eyes, but his extension is up. We've talked a lot about this on this show, right? I think it probably behooves both sides to wait until the end of this year to do the deal. I think he ends up with more money that way. I think the Browns get more data points if they do it that way. That's just kind of my thought on it. And I kind of think that's the way it'll go. But mentally, in a year where they are in this window of like a chance to really take a shot at winning it all and go into the Super Bowl and, and they've got all this talent that they've acquired, do you want your quarterback to have the extension signed before the season and feel like I'm comfortable here, this is my team, I'm not going anywhere, I can really take ownership over this? Or do you want him to be like, is it more optimal that he has to go out and prove it one more time uh, before he gets paid and from a mental I think, aspect? I think there's pluses and minuses, you know, on both sides, you know, Dallas didn't get Dak's contract on last year. And what happens? He goes out and he blows out his knee. And then, you know, the market dictates and they ended up, you know, paying him more than what they had anticipated. Uh, yeah. I think that from a, um, from the quarterback standpoint of having the deal done, does it, does it, take some of the pressure off. Yeah. Cause you're kind of worried about it a little bit, but you know, everything I've read about Baker's just like, listen, it's going to get done. It's just a matter of time. I'm not going to be a distraction. We have too many good things going on here. I'm not going to be that guy that, that pulls all this apart. It's taken us a long time to get here. You know, the team's really gelling. The team's really confident. 
you know, the, the, the leadership in place from the top to the, you know, to the bottom, the guys are excited. Guys want to play for coach Stansky. Guys want to play for, you know, uh, you know, Alex Van Pelt on offense. Um, so I just think he's taking it a day at a time and, and not, you know, really doesn't want to talk about it. He's like, you know, let's talk about the season. Let's talk about the expectations. That's what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about the contract. Contract's going to be the contract. I'll get paid when I get paid. And I think he's, he's handling it the right way and he doesn't want to be the distraction and, you know, everything he, if he keeps being Baker Mayfield, all of that's going to take care of itself. That's the bottom line. And I think that's probably the way I'm not going to worry about the money. The money will come. We just got to win games. If we win games, guess what? All the, the statistics and stuff that everybody wants to see more than likely I'm doing that. Cause we're winning. Yeah. No, no question. Uh, and that's been his attitude and, and very mature attitude to have. Absolutely. And what you want to hear, actually all the guys that are up for extensions. If you look at Chubb, uh, Denzel got asked about his extension. Mayfield, they all answered from the same, you know, from the same, but almost regurgitated the same stuff back to the press. And, and you can tell, obviously, they're having the right conversations with their agents and the guys in, in the locker room and their coaching staff is rubbing off on them. So that's a good thing, I think. Is there a biggest area that you think he could still improve on that you would like to see him get better at? I just think staying consistent. You know, making the throws that you're supposed to make, you know, not making, you know, 99% of your layups, so to speak, and, you know, like a back in the flat or, you know, when there's nobody, no rush on you, you're checking the ball down and just throwing it accurately. I, I think that he just needs to keep working on that, keep working on um, making those off platform throws, uh, keeping his feet underneath him. You know, when he's in the pocket, uh, he does a pretty good job. I think he could be a little bit better of just continually matching his feet to his eyes and making sure his hips and his eyes, you know, rotate around through his progression. Um, some little things like that in the pocket, I believe he needs to keep working on. But, you know, he's one of those guys that whatever you tell him to do, he's going to do it. He's going to do it a thousand times over. He's, he's a guy that has been proven everybody wrong his whole life. You know, a six-foot quarterback can't play. You know, hey, well, you're a walk-on. Oh, okay. Oh, you're walking on again? <laughs> oh, you can't win the Heisman. Yeah, right. I mean, what else does a guy have to do? It's crazy. Oh, by the way, you're going to go to the Browns. Yeah. Okay. Guess what? I'm going to take you guys to the playoffs. You do. He faces the play. I mean, love the guy, man. I'm, I'm excited about his future. I'm excited about him getting that deal so he can, you know, be here for four or five more years to, to root for. I, I love the way that he plays. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a small school guy. I'm a Division three quarterback who was fortunate to have the career that I did, and I root for guys that you know like that. He he's not a guy that 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 was supposed to make it, or that some people wanted to make it because he's brash. You know, he talks a lot of sh shit. You know, I I love that. That's how I was. Um, he wears his emotion on his sleeve, man. Um, yep. You know, he runs down the field and pounds his chest, and you know, gives a whirly derby and all this stuff, man. <laughs> I, I love that. You know, the yeah. guy the guy just plays the game like a little kid and with that kind of passion and um, love is, is, is awesome to watch. And, you know, it's, that's Cleveland, man. I mean, that is yep. Cleveland through and through. We're blue collar guys. People work hard and Baker's that kind of guy. He's the lunch pail guy that, that, that brings the lunch box nine to five and punches that card every week. And you just appreciate what he does. And, you know, I'm excited to see him continually get better. And I'm excited like crazy for the season to start. Yeah, me too, man. I can't wait. I think it's 84 days till NFL starts, like something like 86 till Browns football. It seems like forever, but uh, it'll get here eventually. But uh, lots of stuff to talk about from now till then. Jim, you were fantastic. You are uh, uh, so smart with this stuff. You were uh, a legend when I was growing up. Obviously, we went to the same high school. You went on to be a, a legend. Uh, we both went to Calgary Falls High School, and that's you know, we, we, and you went on to uh, go to Mount Union and break every record and win their, their first national title, which opened the floodgates, right? And then, uh, uh, you know, went on and had a 10 year professional career. And, and, uh, I, I just remember growing up and, uh, my dad talking about you all the time, you know, when you were at Mount, cause he was obviously my parent, both my parents went to Mount Union. So, uh, obviously, uh, it was, uh, it's awesome to, uh, have, uh, generated a friendship with you and talk to you and have you on the show, man. You're awesome. I appreciate it, man. I love talking ball anytime with you, Brad. All right, Jim. Thanks so much for your time, man. You too. Have a great weekend. You too.
Big thanks to Jim Ballard for coming on the show and uh, knocked it out of the park. Great stuff. Talking Baker Mayfield, ways he can improve. Uh, taking a look at, you know, him with OBJ, without OBJ, all that good stuff. If you're watching All Eyes on Cleveland, my name is Brad Ward. Mikey is on the ones and twos. Mikey jacked up my cards earlier. It's all his fault. Uh, so any complaints go directly to Mikey uh, on his, that's completely his fault. Yes. And, uh, all right, so we've got a couple things to cover here real quickly. As I said, show on Saturday with Cameron Justice from WEWS Channel 5, who was at minicamp uh, for the entire time. So we're going to go do our minicamp show on Saturday. So make sure you tune in then, and we'll do our minicamp breakdown, minicamp, uh, you know, kind of uh, recap, I, I guess, as she was there. Uh, and she's been killing the coverage. If you if you follow her on Twitter, uh, she's been knocking the coverage out of the park as far as uh, the press goes there. Uh, so we'll have her on the show on Saturday, and that'll be awesome. Uh, I wanted to cover a couple things. Uh, if you go to alleyesoncleveland.com, the website where the podcast is at, you can access the uh, Fanatics Browns uh, brand-new training camp gear is up for Fanatics. Uh, you can click on the link there. Plus, we've hooked up with Vivid Seats. We will have a promo code if you want to buy tickets, single-game tickets. I'm going to have a promo code for you from All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, but that is also there if you want to look at the, at the games, the seats that are available. Uh, all that stuff is at the Vivid Seats link on the website. And in the description below, we've got the Vivid Seats uh, below for single game tickets. I'll have the promo code for you here within the next week or two. And Fanatics, uh, uh, the, all the new training camp gear is out. White hats, they got bucket hats, they got all, it's all slick. I really like the white hat a lot. It's amazing. It's really nice. Uh, so you can check all that stuff out on the website and in the description below. Uh, and while you're looking down there, make sure you hit that like button and hit subscribe if you're enjoying All Eyes on Cleveland. Two biggest takeaways from training camp, uh, not training camp, mini camp, real quick. Uh, mandatory minicamp, two biggest takeaways. Rookie cornerback Newsom playing inside is huge for the Browns. So he's been playing inside a lot. When they drafted him, he was really profiled as just an outside corner, but they've been working him inside a lot with Troy Hill. Uh, both of them have the ability to go out and in, but by doing that, what you're doing is really creating more depth to the point that I expressed this concern on a couple different shows, myself and other shows, that I was worried that if Troy Hill were to some reason go down, we would run into that same problem where Tavi or Thomas or the MJ Stewarts of the world would be pressed into, into playing time in that nickel cornerback position. But with Newsom lining up in there, that's fantastic. That that makes the team deeper and better. That's a huge takeaway from minicamp for me. The other biggest takeaway from minicamp, from what I've heard, listened, read, everything, and like I said, we'll have much more on the minicamp on Saturday with Cameron uh, Justice. She's gonna, She covered it all and was there for all three days, so we'll talk to her about it and everything then. But uh, my other biggest takeaway is Donovan Peoples-Jones. By all accounts, he came in. Totally looking brand new, body totally revamped, NFL body jacked up, looked fantastic by all accounts. And you know how big that's going to be. One of my questions I've been posing to some of my guests is, can Donovan Peoples-Jones be a number two wide receiver as we go to the future? The wide receiver room is a big question mark going into next year. Odell, is he going to be here? I don't know. Uh, uh, Jarvis Landry, is he going to be here? I don't know. I hope so. But either way, if Donovan Peoples-Jones can step into a role of a number two wide receiver for this team heading forward beyond 2021, that is huge. And him showing up to minicamp looking fantastic, performing great with an NFL-type body. He already has got the frame, all the skills, everything, all the traits you need. And, and he, from all accounts, he looks outstanding at minicamp for all three days. Uh, and as I said before, Newsom playing inside. Really, really helps the depth there. Uh, no Tavier Thomas, no MJ Stewart having to play nickel cornerback. Those are my big twoest, uh, two takeaways from minicamp. Uh, I'm losing the ability to speak the English language as the show is ending here. I apologize. Um, but, yeah, uh, those are the breakdowns, two takeaways from minicamp. Hope you enjoyed uh, Jim Ballard tonight on the show. Awesome guy, knows his quarterbacks, and really broke down Baker well. Uh, go check out the links below if you're looking for single game tickets at Vivid Seats. 
Check out the Fanatics uh, link as the brand new Browns 2021 training camp gear is out and it is sick. So you can go to the link in the description below or go to www.alleyesoncleveland.com and hit the link there to check that out as well. Thank you for watching again. Come back Saturday. Cameron Justice, first time on the show, WEWS, Channel 5, Emmy-nominated uh, digital content producer. Uh, was at training camp, covered it for them, and she's going to come on the show, and we're going to do our uh, mini camp, mandatory mini camp breakdown and recap with her on Saturday. So don't miss that one. It will be a good one for sure. Uh, for Mikey on the ones and twos, who jacked up several times tonight, we're going to have to have a long talk, Mikey. Uh, screwing up my statistics, my years, you got me all, all messed up, brother. Uh, my name is Brad Ward. Big thanks to Jim Ballard. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. We are out. They're all eyes on Cleveland. We here. Yeah. <laughs>